All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? How's it going? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Caroline Ray is here today. Uh, I, we go way back, and we go way deep, and we've done the thing. <laughs> she was she was on Marin. She was, she was like on one of the early episodes, like episode eight, before it was even an interview show. She just had a baby, I think. When we talked, I was like 2009. So a lot has happened since, but she's still operating at the same frequency. She's on this new show called LOL, Last One Laughing Canada, which is a comedy competition show streaming on Prime Video. But always funny, always a bit uh, intense somehow. But uh, these are long grooves, man. I've got a neural pathway specifically designated for Caroline Ray. Did I mention... My uh, cardiologist appointment, did I? In my journey of decay and aging, I'm talking in serious radio voice today. Sometimes it just happens. I can hear it in my voice when I I'd throw a switch in my throat and something happens. But I did. I, I went to the cardiologist because I was in a, uh, you know, a minor spiral post-COVID that uh, I picked up some uh, renegade information about... Uh, heart problems post-COVID, but even though they are rare, they primarily happen to those who are unvaccinated. I am vaxxed to the max. I am vaxxed up my ass. I'm vaxxed. But anyways, I was in enough panic to uh, sway my uh, provider to give me a referral to my cardiologist. My cardiologist. I haven't seen this guy in four years. I saw him once, four years ago. Can't even remember why. Yeah, I do. I remember. I had high numbers or something. So anyway, I go to the cardiologist. I go to the guy. Uh, and look, man, first the first visit, it was great. What an uplifting visit. Because I was ba- I was there four years ago because I have a little plaque in my pump. Uh, not unlike a lot of people, but I had more plaque than probably necessary. It was probably from years of smoking. So I go back and he, ch- he tests my uh, blood pressure perfect. I'm the king of blood pressure. Cholesterol is looking good. It's looking good. I'm on a slight, a little bit of medicine, but the, the pot, cholesterol is good. And then we did the EKG. Looks good. So he says, come back for a stress test. Fine. I'll come back for that. Stress test and the ultrasound. So I go back a week or so later. This is a few days ago. The ultrasound. Taken into a room. Woman lubes me up. A woman lubes up my chest. And then starts doing the number, doing the ultrasound number. You can't see anything, but occasionally the sound will come on. It's like, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. I'm like, that can't be good. That's, that sounds even worse. What happened to boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. All of a sudden, it's like, and I'm like, are those good noises? They never tell you. The tech will never tell you. They're sworn to secrecy. They sign an NDA. They're not allowed to speculate, even though they know what the things indicate. They're not the doc. So I'm like, does that one, is that one bad? That can't be good. That doesn't sound right. Does it, do any of them do boom, boom? Boom, boom. The familiar beat? Why's it got to be this techno stuff? Huh? 
no information. So we do the ultrasound, do the carotids with the ultrasound. We do the uh, full pump. The full pump spectrum, I think is what they call it in the biz, in the racket, in the cardiologist racket. It's called the full pump spectrum. So I get that done. Then I got to get on the treadmill for the for the stress test. And I feel like uh, uh, the tech there was a little passive aggressive in, in thinking that I might not be able to pull it off. You know, she's like, look, we're going to try to get to 160, a heart rate of 160 in three minute increments where there will be an increase in speed and in incline until we get to 160. You can stop any time before that. Just tell me when you're ready to stop. I'm like, I'm not stopping. Start this fucker. Let's do this. So we get going and it's, it's not, it's not hard at the beginning, but to get it up to like, cause mine, mine runs a little low. The guy said, that's fine. I, I question him again, the doc, but we get going on the stress test three minutes. Fine. We're going to, she says in, uh, you know, in 10 seconds, I'm going to incline higher, faster. Okay. Do it. Another three minutes of that. And then another three minutes of that. And then, then it's hard, man. It's hard. And we're getting up there, but I'm like working. And she's like, okay, you've hit 160, but you can keep going if you want. I'm, what Do I need to? She's like, no. But you know, So what would be the point of that? Didn't we achieve our goal? But some part of me was thought like, all right, I'll keep, I'll, I'll fucking keep going. Let's blow this heart up, man. Let's blow it up. Beat, beat, beat. So I hit the 160 and they got all the numbers together. Ultrasound bleeps. Blips, boops, carotid, stress test, doc. They hit me again with the blood pressure. Perfect. Doc says, well, look, everything's looking good. Great. He said, uh, the uh, carotids look good. A little bit more plaque, not bad. Um, stress test looks great. There was no no indicators that uh, are worrying. And the ultrasound's good. Uh, one of your valves... Doesn't close all the way. So I'll see you in a year. I'm like, whoa, 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 what? One of the valves doesn't close? One of the valves doesn't close all the way? What does that mean? Well, nothing. You just, you come back in a year, you can exercise as much as you want. But wait, one of the valves doesn't close all the way? I mean, is that, do I, am I, can, no, just come back. Come back in a year and exercise as much as you want. Wait, I, you know, I can't, you know, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound correct, obviously. Everything's great except one of the valves doesn't close all the way. And your heart rate's very slow. So, like, are you just not telling me because the condition that I have is just incurable? So you're like, fuck it, man. Be honest with the guy. Give him the facts. But don't tell him that, you know, his heart is had enough. It's just slowing down. It's just like, I'm done. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. boom. That's it. That's my valve. Like, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. What's the matter with your heart? That's not. It doesn't close all the way. So that's my status. Got a little. Uh, got. I got a, a a a valve that's a little leaky, and uh, the rest is great. So that's just something I know now. Now I know that. Now I know that. Went on a hike with Kit. The cat girl, she's got a good eye for the scary shit, I guess. She's a horror fan. I'm not a horror fan. She's a horror fan. But it doesn't matter. 
were on a little hike and she sighted a black widow spider in a bush in its web. And I grew up in New Mexico and I think I've seen black widows, but this was a perfect specimen of one. And I don't know that I've ever seen one. Intense. A life of fear of the black widow. The mythical black widow and all of its implications. To see the belly of a black widow in its web with that red hourglass, it's so defined. It's no question. There's no question you have to look. Like I remember when I was a kid, is that one? Do you see a red thing on it? This was clear, man. And it is a full-on hourglass red dot on the belly of a black widow. And it was in its web. I took pictures of it. Very, very hard to focus. I got to get a better camera. Get a better phone, better camera. But man. It was a life-changing moment to see a real black widow because you have that moment. I don't know. You know when you think you see somebody. Is that a thing? Is that what it is? Is that what? I think that's what it is. No doubt. It was like, I don't think I've ever seen one before. Not even at a fucking zoo where they have uh, bugs in, in glass. Bugs in glass tanks. Some zoos have them. They have them with the lizards and stuff. But it was right there in the wild and I got pretty close with the camera. But it's not after me. But I think it changed my brain a little bit to see a real Black Widow. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Also, I did a, did a very good set the other day. I will say that. Last week at, uh, at Largo, I did some fucking, fucking solid riffing. Got a little dirty, too. The dirty's coming back. That was, it, was, it was welcome. It was welcomed. Out of nowhere, I was in my pants. And we all enjoyed it. Everybody involved. The whole audience enjoyed me being in my pants. Felt like the old days when I worked a little blue. I think me and Caroline get a little blue here. So uh, brace yourself. She's a wild ride, Caroline. I mean, just conversationally. Just trying to, you know, trying to, to, to land. We're just trying to land here. She's on the show, LOL, Last One Laughing, Canada. It's a... Uh, comedy competition show on prime video she's uh one of my oldest friends in comedy we hated each other which meant we had to become fuck buddies that's the blurb for the movie about us all right this is me talking to caroline ray how long do you record this for for as long as it feels good we're not, we're not doing three hours. <laughs> no, I'm going to feel good for three hours. <laughs> but, you know, for until it's me, you know, I, I, you know, I have a high tolerance. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and I know you pretty well. I was trying to think. Now, wait, what is this anniversary that we're today is? is? You said it was the day you moved to New York? It was the day I moved to New York in 1989. It's also my grandfather's birthday. So it was good luck. From, from Canada? Yeah, I moved to New York. With three hundred dollars, in on March third, nineteen eighty nine, my mother drove me to the city, and then she wanted me to drive back to like White Plains and take the train from there. And I was like, "You're never gonna let me go." <laughs> and she was like, "Thanks, I just didn't want to drive alone." <laughs> and then I didn't want. And then uh, yeah, and Wait. I moved to New York with three hundred bucks and bought a pair of earrings for two hundred twenty dollars the next day. Your priorities in the yeah. Right place. So yeah. then I lived on eighty dollars, and I would I would spend a dollar a day. I would eat a hot dog, and that was it. So you, you, I moved in with my sister. 
Right, but yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like you probably had access to money if you needed it. No, for some reason, I thought I was going to be really brave. Oh, no, I think my dad, all I wanted my dad to do was like pay for drama school. Yeah, but wait, I let me ask you a question to. about the present. Why the fuck don't you move back to Canada? Right now? Yeah. Because I have a daughter who has a father who's American. I can't oh. do that. Would you if you didn't? Look, I get hotter and hotter Sorry. the older I get because of my passport and citizenship. Yeah. Someone can marry me and flee. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm only, you're, you're entire age too old for you now. We could, that's, <laughs> we, Together? But we, but we could convince them that it's legit because we have a history. Right. We could, we, we we could, could show them. them. Right. We've been together for 40 years. <laughs> Look at this picture. You haven't aged. Yeah, we could make that work. I have work. aged. You have not you aged. Saying that. You haven't aged. You're very. You know what? I'm going to oh, tell everybody what I said to you and how you responded. When I saw you, I said you look too thin, and you said, "Thank you." Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I know when I'm too thin. You do. Yes. When? When my face starts looking drawn. When I look at pictures and I look like I'm just barely staying awake and my mouth is hanging open because I'm too too. I'm you not do. Eating you enough. look the exact same to me, and I believe in 1989. Yeah. I either met you that year or I met you in 1990. It is almost, what is it, 35 years? Is it no, almost? don't say 35. It's only 33. 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, weird. You know, Wait, I have what year did I meet you? Because you had been in Boston. Well, I was going back and forth, right? So like, right. Uh, it was probably around 88, 89 because I, I, was, I started going to New York. Like I moved into that apartment in New York in 89. Okay. So we probably- Where we would listen to records. Sure. Did we? Yes. Did I have a few Did records? We? <laughs> was it records? Because yes. I also remember. No, but I. No, rem- what do you think it was? VHS tapes? No, or well, eight tracks? We no. met before that apartment. We because, met because I remember being. <laughs> <laughs> remember. I, I think the first time that we ever hung out uh-huh. friendly. Uh, <laughs> no, we hated each other on site. If you remember, I, that lasted like ten minutes, and the next thing I remember, we were having sex somewhere. <laughs> no, we were making out in a car. <laughs> making out in a car. Like you hated me, and no, I think that night I remember thinking, "God, I hate this guy. He is just so." <laughs> offensive. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And your jokes. Yeah, I remember you had a joke, and I was like, "That is very funny." I saw you on like. <laughs> MTV a- half angrily, hour or something. Angrily funny. Angrily. I was like, oh, oh, he's so funny. But you had the most, I'm sorry, but like the most gorgeous mouth. And I, I remember thinking yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But Luckily, it's covered by a mustache so I can no. contain myself yeah. oh, now. Thank but thank God. No, yeah. and then we were making out in the back of a car. Yeah. We're, but that was like, it was that wasn't in town, was it? Were we being, dri- who was driving? No, we were making out in a car. It wasn't in a the- cab. It was somebody <laughs> was driving, wasn't it? A- <laughs> they just got out of the car. And- <laughs> I don't know. No, it wasn't a cab. God. But who, I don't, well, here's the thing is I know that we met before I got that apartment because I remember being with you when my cousin had that apartment. I was going to say your cousin, I remember that apartment on 14th Zeckendorf. Street. Yeah. The Zeckendorf building yes. with the pyramids on yeah. top. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And that's where I would stay sometimes yes. when I'd come to New York if she wasn't there. I perhaps have seen that apartment a few times. I yes. kind of remember it. Yes. I remember it. I yeah. remember <laughs> I remember a couple of incidents. <laughs> really? Just a couple? Yeah. I remember this. What do you <laughs> There's God. a long arc. Don't you to remember our my <laughs> Don't you remember my Upper East Side apartment? Yeah, the huge apartment where yeah. it was like, is this a circle? Does it like are we going into different rooms? It's like the biggest apartment I've ever seen in New York. You're like, here's the kitchen, here's the other kitchen. Like, what no. is this? My kosher kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, as opposed the, to your apartments, which were like no. Nope. I just remember your apartment, I had to be afraid to sit on anything. Your like, apartment, there was no foreplay. It's just you walked in and fell on the bed. Yeah. That was it. We're gonna listen to music. Well, that was that's that's what poverty looks like. That's what Yeah. Not uh, how how the mighty have changed. Yeah. Not fallen. 
Well, no, I mean, I didn't have that plan. That was like the best apartment I could get, that apartment. And, and then, then I, the, I remember... The Queen's apartment? You were never out there, were you? Of course you were. Yes, probably. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> I was in the Queen's apartment, but then I remember you had bed bugs in Queen's. Yeah, but that was later. I didn't like that Queen's that apartment. That was later. No. That, if you were there... I spanned, the bugs, I we, spanned the 14th Street, the... The, yeah, Avenue you, A. You spend the Queens. entire career. Sometimes years would go by. And yeah, years go like, by. Are we going to try it? God, Mark. <laughs> do we still do this? I don't know. Do we? Let's give it a whirl. Oh, Libras. Not today. You're, not, today. You're, not today. Not today. Not today. I got it. I got it. Not today, car. Satan. <laughs> yeah, I'm Satan. Why am I the Satan? Not today, Satan. But let me, like, but yes. I was looking at. But then I asked you when you had your show, I said, oh, we should do something yeah. about how, you know, friends who. Right. Whatever that was forever and then yeah. fall into it again. Oh, I'm Marin. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we did. We did, and then we I was did like, exactly what we do. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, well, people will just think it's fiction. And then you're like, no, Carolyn and I. Just, I'm like, all right. Okay. <laughs> so much for that. So there's much a, correcting. I don't think there's a... I, I, it's I like a biopic. There's mm-hmm. a statute of limitations on this shit. I mean, there's obviously, like, by us being candid, there's a couple of people that could get hurt and might be like, what's the timeline on this? I'm like, <laughs> it was a, a shifting timeline. It was. It was long and shifting. And it wasn't, it wasn't like we ever locked in for any period of time. It was just always there, kind of. It's just... <laughs> I do remember one time you slept over and we were both like, ah! I know. Oh, God, yeah. you have to go. No, no, I, this I is not I, a... I don't think I slept over. No, one time you slept over. <laughs> wow. I, I remember on the Upper East Side and I remember the discomfort of it all. <laughs> like, we were both like, where's the eject button? <laughs> yeah. How did this happen? That was another we were, attempt You know what? We, we were like vampires. Yeah. It could not, it could not, it didn't... Exist in the go day? In, yes, exactly. That's It wasn't funny. daylight. Yeah. But remember we used to go to that great uh, restaurant? Uh, um, which one? Oh, it was so good. Dojos? Oh, oh that's so funny. Is I it think dojos? That, yes. Okay. The memory's better than the restaurant. I mean, it was, I don't know if it was a great restaurant. Really? Yeah. And then you there kinda, was another great you restaurant. Walk, like, yeah, there was yeah. like Veselka. The, Veselka, yeah, that we that, went there a lot that's too. That's good. But Dojo, you'd walk downstairs and it was, you'd get the, they had the steamed vegetables, the brown rice and the strange, uh, you know, not, you know, that veggie burger that yeah. would come on the brown rice. Which right. Is, it was okay. It was okay. It, it sounds was like a, a bad, dirty. That sounds that, like a vegetarian porn. And then it would come on the brown rice. Yeah, come right on the brown rice, <laughs> the sauce. <laughs> the veggie burger would just c- drop a load on the brown rice. Wow, you turned it into a whole different yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Get dirty. But, um, uh, yeah, but Dojo was a place, it was open. That was okay. the thing, right? Three in the morning. Yeah, so. we would always go there. That was, you know what? Todd Berry would go. Life of going to do stand up all night in every single club and then sitting in the cellar and then ending up at the Dojo. Yep, we did, and you were, but you were able to work at more clubs than me. That was always the problem. Was that you, you know you were kind bitter of, party yeah. of one? <laughs> no, and then, but and then you're I remember. Like, how are you doing in your poverty? How I you, was never like that. How, how's it going? Did, did, did oh my god, I was never like that. How are you did, going in your how, poverty? How was the VJ audition? Oh, <laughs> you were on for no. You are such a projector because when I got Sabrina. You said to me, I am not happy for you at all. I'm very bitter and jealous, and I don't think we can be friends. That's what you said to me in 1996. I was up for the aunt part. I was up for the same part you were in, Sabrina. (laughs) Aunt Hilda was either Mark Marin or me. It was very close. Well, I was up for Marin, and then they went with you. I remember being at an audition in 1989 for... um, 
I know what it was, but it's it literally I was sitting there and it said a Victoria Jackson and Kevin Nealon type. <laughs> and then I was sitting there and Victoria Jackson and Kevin Nealon both walked in. And I was like, I am so getting this. <laughs> Did you? No. Who got it? I'm sure Victoria Jackson. Well, they, things didn't end well for All her. Right, I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. This is a question. It is weird. Like when I was a kid, I was obsessed with, um, you know, I watched, of course, Carol Burnett. Who yeah, I then I, ended up I don't meeting. know why I never interviewed You've her. You've never interviewed. Okay. I've, every weird. time I've met her, I burst into tears. She looks at me and she's sort of like, please don't cry. Yeah. She just meant <laughs> so much to me. But <laughs> I when- want I want to point out that. Caroline got lost on the way over here, and when she called to ask me directions, she was crying. Okay, thank you. I don't like getting lost. Thanks for sharing. I was. I was crying. It, it'll. I was at a comedy club the other day. I went to park the thing, you know, the whatever, the parking, what do you call yeah. it? Like the barrier thing? What do you call it? Uh, the parking the structure? Arm. Yeah, in oh, the parking oh, oh, structure. Oh, the gate. The, the gate. gate yeah. Basically the yeah, gate. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't open, so I had oh, to back up and turn. The next thing I knew, I was literally on the 134, two exits down. I was like, I was at the club. How am I this lost? Oh, my God. Okay, so yeah. when, this is just an interesting thing. Like okay. When you're a kid yeah. and something that deeply affected you, right. did you ever imagine that you would be having a talk with Keith Richards about a hat when you were a no, kid? No, no, no. I never. So no. what happened with that? With what? With Your call with Keith Richards that you meant, oh. you mentioned it so casually. Well, I, you know, he's got the reissuing a record, and I, uh, and I was offered the opportunity to talk to him again. I've talked to him before, and it was, it was good, but I get very excited with I him. I know, but how do you not freak out? Because I've talked to a lot of people at this point. Yes, I know. You're very all the, important. I not important, it. but like you know, there are some. It people, doesn't matter if I met who would you if who if you met right now would you freak out at anyone? Well, I had to, I did freak out. But I didn't freak out in a bad way. I knew I could handle it. But I thought, but since the last time I talked to him, that I wouldn't be like, oh my god. But I was. I did. It came right out right away. Just like fourteen-year-old me was like, that would that one record, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. What guitar were you playing? <laughs> so that happened. But I and I was. I get nervous before every one of these things. But what I've learned is even. Knowing these people are human, there are some people that I've talked to that I still remain pedestaled for me, that I still right. feel like, well, I don't want right. to. Like, there's these moments that you have with people where it's like, I think we're going to be friends. We're like, no, we're not. Don't, you know. It's not yeah. When I had my talk show, I thought everybody, it's like my joke and it's really the truth. Some what? celebrities are intimidating. Yeah. I'm the kind of celebrity where fans eventually say to me, I've got to go. Because I, I, I'm so codependent, and if anybody talks to me, I don't want them to ever... I've seen celebrities be mean to people, especially to kids, and yeah. then I'm like, I'm the most overcompensating. I don't want anyone to ever feel bad. Yeah, but I think like there's... I'm starting... I think we're starting to learn that they kind of want you to be not a dick, but to be the celebrity. You know, right. you don't want... If you're, the problem with today is like we're also accessible one way or the other. Right. I'm like, I'm very diplomatic with stalkers. You know, like I'm sort of like, so what do you want? What oh, are we doing? Oh, why do you think if you stalk someone long enough, you'll eventually become friends? Well, that's why I have a joke <laughs> In about a way, that. You're sort of like, the only okay. way to deal with stalkers is, you know, take them out to lunch because you'll disappoint them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you're not what I thought you were. <laughs> exactly. Who is, what's the, what's the, um, okay, I want yeah. to tell you that my daughter and I were in How old Peric- she now? She's 13. Wow. Love of my life. Yeah. So funny. You're in where? She's she, funny? She's so funny. You pushing her into the show business? No, she's funny in a really hilarious way. Like, she's yeah. like- She writing for you? Like, I know it's not her. She's, she just, I fall for it every time. She's like, yeah. Mark, do you like Imagine Dragons? 
don't know what that is. A ma- the, the musical band? Okay, okay, no, yes. I don't know. Okay, yeah. let's do it again. You don't have a 13-year-old daughter. Okay. Let me try, try it again. I'll, I'll Ma- play along. Uh, Mommy, do you like Imagine Dragons? I do, I do. I Imagine dragging them nuts across your face. Wow. <laughs> that happened? She's blue. She plays dirty. Yeah. And it made me laugh, really. She's Where did funny. you learn that? I don't know. On TikTok. I don't know. She's... <laughs> Are you be paying attention to that? Like, what, what I think you, it's hilarious. What it are you is talking hilarious. about? Does she know what it means? Her father's a comedian, but luckily she has my act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy was always a little dark. You know what? I what? remember when I first going started going out with him, and I told you, you were like, that guy is so morose. He's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Was that right? Yeah. He's just got a heavier en- energy. He's not Maybe really- that's it. That, that it's was very it. funny. He's just got a heavy. It like I'm I I'm porous like you. Yeah. Like I feel everyone and everything. Right. I'm right. very em- empathetic, and he's he's just much more like, what's the word? Boundaries. So let's go back to Canada. So you grew up where? I grew up in Montreal. In Montreal, yeah. do you speak French? Only in the present tense, because that's all <laughs> I can remember from high school. As long as it happened today. Next question. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't see. I like. I. I meet a lot of Canadians. I talk to Canadians. I don't always know, given the current state of affairs, why people leave Canada. Well, for me, I had no opportunity to be a sitcom actress in Canada. What do you mean? It seems like if you hang around long enough, everyone gets a show up there. Really? Oh, I. I, I don't know. It seems like all comics. Can I tell in you, Canada, I, just, I don't. I've never seen the show. I just did. But I know that, like, you talk to Bruce McCullough. He's like, we did nine seasons of that. I'm like what? <laughs> in Canada, you know? Yeah, but then you're also paid in Canadian, in okay, Canadian okay, wages, yeah, right, you know? Right. They're like, would you like two potatoes and a bottle of maple syrup? There you go. <laughs> and oh, I here's a hockey jersey. The nationalized healthcare is not all it's racked up to be, is it? You know what? It's it's really, it's better than not going to the doctor. When I first moved to New York, yeah. I was literally on like a, a yacht as a cater waiter. Yeah. And this guy showed me his gout-ridden foot, which was... A lovely shade of purple. You're, you're, I remember it because it was like a you really nightmare. really make yourself available to people. Yeah, I do. Hey, can I see you? Do you have, <laughs> and he, I said, why haven't you gone to the doctor? He's like, I don't have insurance. I'm like, like that would never happen in Canada. But you, also- but you might just have to wait for two months. The, yeah. the gout would have been your entire leg by the right. time you see a doctor. And then people die in emergency rooms there because right. they but, don't ever make it to a room. But that's happening here now, not just because of COVID, but because like even my plan now, it's like I tried to get an appointment with a specialist. They're like, yeah, June. I'm like, well, what? Plastic surgeons are busy, Mark. Well, I, that's why I just got to <laughs> accept what I have. <laughs> I can't get this pulled back. Just this little thing on I my chin, just you know on my what? neck. I on just my wa- neck. I want to do a handstand and get a staple gun. I yeah. just want it all, and I just want to set the time machine. Like I'll be fine. Nineteen ninety four. Just set it back to that. I just, you know, like I get different people that I'm told I look like depending on my weight, which I find funny. Really? Like, where, yeah. where are you at now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who, who is it? It's just me. Uh, it's no, actually just who, me. Who, <laughs> who, who do you remind people of? Now? I'm not going to say anything. You know what? You're what? not going to say anything. I'm going to reach over and slap you with your hammer. Um, but did you start stand-up in Canada? Because I don't know these things about you, really. I have I a weird I started memory. stand-up when I met you. Oh, so I that was it? I never did it in Canada. Mm. No, I will tell you one thing. My mother had, like... I used a to quadru- like your impressions. Of of my mom. Mother. My yeah. mom had a quadruple bypass. Oh, my God. When was this? Oh. Are we back at before you left? No. Oh. No, like... It was before Ava was born, so like 13 years ago. Yeah. And that was completely free. Completely free. In Canada. Oh, and that no. surgery is $450,000 here. So there's some things that, first of all, socialized medicine, everybody 
should be insured. It's ridiculous. That's absolutely right. And the fact that like some people have to go to GoFundMe's. I know. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's terrible. No. You, all right. But so, all right. So in Canada. You okay. Have, I, I moved to New York in 1989. I know that, but I'm talking yeah. about before. You had two sisters? No, I still have two sisters. Yeah. <laughs> are you reading Wikipedia for no. God's sake? No. When are you reading? Because like, I, I tried sisters. to remember if I've ever met one of your sisters. You have met both of my sisters. One, briefly. Well, no. Briefly. Okay, I'm not saying you were at like family holidays I for wasn't. God's sake. You're not. Never. But like, I can't you slept get... over one night, Mark. Let it go. <laughs> I can't. I'm not claiming you. Why am, you know? aren't you taking care of me more? <laughs> Why? You're, you're not even on the relationship tree. Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> I, know I know a couple of people who are. <laughs> there are a few branches. Whatever. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm just one of the. Okay. The, All right, uh, but, uh. the fallen fruits. Yes. I'm just. <laughs> just one of them. Yeah. So when I was in Parrot K with my daughter, yeah. I said to her i said honey i want you to look over there yeah there that is one of the greatest musicians in the world and that is one of the most beautiful supermodels that ever was and she looked over and she said mommy i can't see them the very old couple are blocking them and i said no honey they are the very old couple <laughs> and it was keith richards and his beautiful wife Pam. oh yeah. yeah but we just saw the stones in october and they were unbelievable yeah it was fun right it was so fun where were you sitting up close no i was i i got in at the last minute uh, in Fort Lauderdale because I was visiting my mother and I had like a little connection, you know, to their publicist. But I didn't, I got good seats, but no, the 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 benefit of the Fort Lauderdale show was only seven thousand seater, which is a small room for them. That is amazing. Why do you have so many guitars? All right. You could have had one child by now. There's yeah. six guitars. They sometimes I get them. I try to get them for nothing. And I, I'm not a collector. They just you sort are. Of, it uh, is appear. sexy when you play guitar. Thank you very much. It is. So like, I love it. I like occasionally watching on the live stream, and it's just women throwing themselves at you. I, I, I can't. It's kind of bizarre, right? It, it yeah, <laughs> extremely. I I'm just, I, don't, I don't do it as much as I used to. So yes, when you were in high school, what, how did that go? Like, where did you go to like a fancy school? Like, what's your life like in 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 Montreal? I have no sense of Montreal. Bagels you have made real. fun of me for all of this. You really don't I know remember that, any no, of it. I know that your dad I was a to, doctor. I went to all girls school, private all girls school. There were 17 girls in my class. 17? Yeah. Small. Yeah, very small. Was it small. convent school? No, we were not. It was called the study. The study? study school for girls. Yeah. And that's all I knew. I didn't even take a bus till I was about 15. Yeah. And then I moved to New York and I was like, what is being on the street? And then I met you and it's like, oh my God. He was peeing on the street. Was <laughs> I peeing, peeing on the street? <laughs> you're peeing. No, I just remember there being, a, I, it, it's just funny because I was, I had such a sheltered childhood. But I just remember meeting you and it was like, you were already playing at a lot of the clubs. You were like way friendly with Louis Ferranda, who I still resent. I still resent him too. Why would you resent him? Because he was, he's been mean to me since. Huh. Yeah. He actually made it right with me by giving me Carnegie Hall. So I, I can't, I don't really have a right. Oh, I'm to... sorry. I'm going to pick that name up. You, yeah. He gave you Carnegie Hall? Kind of. What happened? What do you mean? I just, uh, I did the New York Comedy Fest. Oh, he I, booked it? Yeah. Oh, okay. He, st he still books it. But like, it was, I was so mad. At, I yeah, just, I don't know what he did. He was like, he like literally gave me a career and then he decided... He's, he just was mean to me after that. How did that work? When, when you started doing comedy, when did you start passing? What what was the, the steps? It's funny because I drove past the improv um, and I remember- On 44th Street? Yeah, 44th. Yeah. And the first, and the I remember- little, with The with the letters missing in the sign? Now it's now it's the producer's club. It's not, it's not the improv I anymore. I thought it was a, a restaurant. Oh, is it? Yeah. I just remember like there were prostitutes everywhere. There was a woman wearing Street. an entirely, it was like a clear plastic jumper. Mm. I was like, why bother? Yeah. And I was, you know, I'd never seen a prostitute. That was 89? 
Yeah. It was, it was sort of in shambles by then. And on, on it was, I, I was working there then. You were? I worked there when I got, you know, that was one of the places where I worked. You know, Silver would let me work there, but it, there was, it was beat up and there wasn't a lot of people around. It was like me and Dan Vitale and Bob Shaw and Uncle Dirty. And uh, what was that guy? Billiam Cornell. That's sure. who I saw. Well, Billiam, I used to see down at the cellar, but Jerry Diner was at the improv. And wow. um, who was that other guy with Brett that? Butler was there because I, sure. sa- I sat next to Brett. And sure. I always remember thinking like, sure, because Brett was so mean to me at first. And I was like, it was like Zola Budd and Mary Decker. I was Brett. like, I <laughs> I loved her. She's she, was, little, she can be a little mean. She was a little mean. I'm Because, you know, you have the same manager that I used to have. It's so funny because that manager wouldn't give me the time of day when you were with him when you were a kid. Right. He had, you, you had, he had Brett and you yeah. and Dana Gould. And I would call Greg him. Greg Barrett. And I would call and pretend that. Um, you were Brett. Can you still do the voice? I huh. never. Like, hey, y'all, I don't understand why you're representing Caroline Wright. She's like nothing but like a dumb blonde with big tits. And he would go, oh, we won't, Brett. We're sorry. No, we won't. Absolutely not. And I go, it's me, you idiots. I do this every week. How do you not do it? But when Brett got- And um, then David would say, like, I was just kidding. Was uh, no, no, just kidding. No. <laughs> I, that was my joke, that you could never tell if it was bad news or not, because they were Australian. Like, yeah, you didn't get the part. And I'm like, but you sound so happy about it. Yeah, no, no, you didn't. Did you? No. Um, and now he calls, uh, listen, Mac. Yeah. Is that what he calls you? Mac? Yeah. How you going? I never get used to. How you going? (laughs) I never get used to It's so weird when you go there, too. They have weird words, like, all their food is, like, for women. It's like, oh, my God, this steak is gorgeous. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's so lovely. It's like, it's a steak. Um, So how did you get them as managers? What what, what happens? I don't remember. I feel like I'm having, this is like having, I feel like I'm being tested for, like, senility. I have to go back in this. No, but um, I'm just like, because I remember by 80, by the time I met you, within, like, within a year, you seem to be like moving. Like I, doing... I, 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 it happened quickly for me. Yeah, I was on television like the tenth time I was on stage, basically. Really? Yeah. What MTV show? Half Hour Comedy Hour. Oh yeah, we did those. I did one yeah. of those. Yeah, you did those, and then you did. I yelled and sweated on that show. Yeah, you yelled time. and sweated. Yeah, at many shows, this is yelling and sweating. You were everywhere. very angry. <laughs> <laughs> you were very angry on and off stage. Yeah. Those were, would you describe those as angry years for you? Yeah, for sure. Like I and I, I don't. Yeah, you yeah, were I, furious, and why I was so drawn to you, I don't know. Because I was like literally made fun of because I was like sunshine and goodness. And I never even knew what a wasp was. I was called a wasp, and I was like. And, and it turns out you were just Canadian. I am. I'm just Canadian. I would just talk to everybody. I was polite. Then we had a huge fight. Do you remember we had like a huge fight, and then we didn't talk to each other for like a year, and then. We saw each other at the comic strip, and you said you were sorry. Yeah. And then we were both crying at the comic yeah. strip. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't remember what we thought about. No, I don't either. But 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 yeah, no. That right. It was. This is a fascinating study for people who <laughs> that love you. They're like, are you going to play the guitar or talk about music? <laughs> yeah, no, we're just going to try and remember things who's from thirty this years lady? ago. Well, that's what old people do. Oh, do I do not identify as old. I will not be called that. This is I mean, the one career they, where you're it, not supposed to not No, age. but I mean, eventually, it, it like that's what people do is just sit around Older. and try to remind each other of things. Right. What is this? That's a slide for a guitar to oh, make okay. the slide sound. I think that's a Ben Harper one. I think Ben gave that to me. Oh, my God. The name dropping is unbelievable. What is it? Like, it's this name is on it. All right. Fine. It is. It's on it. Ben Harper. Um... I just want to know. I want to know I, about Catch Rising Star. Let's do like people like the comedy history. Oh, they do like the history. Okay, that's what so we do. I remember sitting down because um, okay. that's where you were in, and that was the hard one to get into. Yeah, I mean, okay, imp- no, wait. So I'm telling you, so okay. the first set I used. So I I had a job. I had like during the day, 
I sprayed perfume at Bloomingdale's, that yeah. horrible job. Wow. Right up until someone literally sprayed me back. And then I was like, I can't do this. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. And this guy would come in and give me a feather every day yeah. and, and want the feather samples. Feather guy. Uh, oh, it was yeah. disgusting. That was at Bloomingdale's. I would do like that. a pigeon feather? <laughs> and then mm. at, during the night, I, would, I was a uh, cater waiter on a yacht on 23rd Street. Yeah. And then... At, then I would start going out and just going to open mics. And then I remember starting at like eight in the morning, finishing at like one in the morning and going to bed and getting up because I had a 340 at the improv. That was like one of my first sets because remember they used to do prom, prom shows? Show, prom shows, yeah. The worst thing in the entire yeah, world. worst. And yeah, going- 340 a.m. 3.40 a.m. That was my set. And just like teenagers and, then, and tuxes. Yeah, teenage tuxes and just screaming at you. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I passed, and then I went to the comic strip, and Lucian said to me, well, clearly you're funny, but I don't really think this is something that you're cut out to do as a career, so why don't you come back in a year, and we'll try again. And I didn't go back for like 12 years. I was <laughs> so pissed at him. Tell him. I'm like, oh, I'm just doing Letterman, can I do whatever? Yeah. So Lewis really like- Was the guy? Yeah, he put me up. I was the MC forever. Did you, did you audition? Yeah, of course I auditioned. Who was like who was there when you got there? Um, Linda Smith, who was best friends and I believe is still best friends with um Lewis. I, I started with Linda Smith at open mics in Boston wow. when I was in college. Like I knew her before everything. Wow. It's crazy. That is crazy. Who else did you start with? In Boston? Yeah. John Groff. Really? Yep. Has the same birthday as me. Uh, I love John Groff. Who else was around? By the time I was in college- we, Like, our generation is pretty successful. Our our class of comedians. Yep. Uh, but I- Jeff Ross, who was Jeff Lifschultz, he and yes. I started together. Right. Wait, I totally forgot. I went to the new school. Oh, and I yeah. studied stand-up comedy with Scott Blakeman, <laughs> who we had a huge crush on. And then our final thing was that we- we went up at the comic strip. Right. And as I was walking to the stage, and I will never forget, I was wearing green, short, overall polka dot yeah. Yeah, things. And yeah. I looked like I was doing like some Broadway musical for um, Little Abner. Yeah. And then as I walked to the stage, my friend John Wiley screamed, you're really bad, because he was Australian. Yeah. And I hadn't even spoken yet. Yeah. And then I did my set there. And then I worked out at Stand Up New York all the time. And Carrie Hoffman was very Carrie supportive. Hoffman? He didn't like you. No, he didn't like me. Lewis didn't really like me. I, in retrospect, I get it. I don't hold it against them. Boston thing, Comedy Club loved you. Yeah, but there was barely anyone in charge there. Right. You, you know, like, thank God for Boston Comedy Club. I couldn't get on at the cellar until she saw my HBO half hour. Are you serious? Yeah. What year was that? 96. Wow. Yeah, she just, and I, and I, like, I don't. I will still bomb at the cellar. I can kill at every club and I would go down there and and I would, and I will still bomb. Yeah, I don't feel like it's home to me. I don't even go in there anymore. I don't know what's happening there. The best comedy club in the world to me was the Comedy Underground in Seattle. Oh, yeah, it was great. The original one? Yeah. That swampy place that, uh, yeah, that you would go literally. Laura and, uh, what was the guy's name? That nice guy? Uh, there was a couple. Yeah, it was great. That, that I, yeah, the original um, Denver Comedy Club um, downtown. Yeah, Comedy Works. Yeah, Comedy yeah. Works. Um, the Atlanta Punchline, the oh, original. Yeah. yeah, even though it was like an art. Pettis room. Yeah, yeah. Christopher Petta and Jamie Bendel's room. Yeah, people like that DC Improv. That is a great club. Yep, the DC Improv is very good. And uh, and then what about around the world? Where's that? No, I mean around the world that you've in played. In general, I don't do a lot of international. You Why know, not? I just I've done 
I've well, I did theaters in like in London and in I did a tour of Scandinavia. It was How okay. How was that? It was pretty good. I did, uh, did Stockholm. I did uh, Oslo. I did Amsterdam. Yeah. And they all know you from your podcast? Kinda, yeah. That's I think amazing. so. And uh, yeah, most of those were pretty English speaking. They got it. Uh, London was okay. I've done, uh, but that's pretty, I think that's the extent of it. Uh, Australia, I've hit or miss in, in yeah. places in Australia. I had to change venues in Brisbane, but apparently it's not, I shouldn't be too hard on myself about that. So I, we're going to put you in the smaller one. No problem. I would rather have been in the small. They put me up in the uh, Melbourne Comedy Festival. I was at, I was in the um, the round tent. You know what I'm talking about? I don't about? know. I no. don't know. I, I, I didn't, I did Sydney. I don't think it's ever fun. I think I want to be on the same level as the audience. I don't want to be. Even, like, you Sometimes know I mean? you can like, be too high, yeah. Well, it's all of a sudden then you're not connecting to any human beings. You're talking, ever catch yourself just talking above? No, sadly, I always focus on one poor person who gets, by the end of the show, very exhausted. <laughs> Why? Because I just, I can't hold eye contact. Like, I don't know how to just look out, so I'll just look at certain people, and then like I'll, I'll all of a sudden realize what I'm doing, and they're just like, why? What why do you mean me? you can't hold eye contact? No, I can't, I can't oh. not hold eye contact. Like, I can't, oh, it's oh. hard for me just to play to the room when I'm in I the think that, that would be a d- good description of your shows that you're like you've laughed you're entertained and you're exhausted yeah you're exhausted. for sure for sure you, draining draining three stars yeah <laughs> but draining in the best possible way like I yeah. would say think that a lot of people go home and cry after your show I feel like that's <laughs> happening right now with the material I'm doing so wait so <laughs> your, your host- latest joke my latest joke yeah what do you love I, I, my, I'm opening with uh, I don't want to be negative but uh, I don't think anything's ever going to get better ever again <laughs> And the kind of laugh it gets, it's so like, you know, they're like, finally someone's saying it out loud. I uh, I just say, like, in the next chapter of the pandemic, I wonder yeah. what we'll be like. Yeah. I got COVID the old-fashioned way, making out with a really hot guy in a car. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. You did that? Yeah. And now I have like a minus two Uber rating, but <laughs> <laughs> that's why I call it, oh my. Did you Prime. get it? I did. Before the vax or after? Uh, I got it post-vax. I mean, oh, you vax, were vax, vax, booster. Oh, that's good. But it was not bad at all. Yeah, it was annoying, though. Felt weird, didn't it? I was so relieved that <laughs> I got it and that it wasn't bad yeah. and that I literally ran to a comedy club because I have not done stand-up really during you know, oh, the so last two years. so once you tested out of the COVID, you're and, like, it's, and, I can go now. But the, the gift of it was like, I run to the stage now and I didn't, I, you know, you know yeah. how you go through phases with sure. stand-up. It's like, you, like ugh, I don't want to. I know, but yeah. then for me, it's exactly how I process my life. Like I have, it's like having a therapist yeah, and ha- not having had that and also not having that like connection to other human beings where you're seeing them affected by what you say Yeah, and it's relatable. So now I've, I've literally run to the stage and thanks to you, I did perform at um, the comedy store. Yeah, and I think you psyched yourself out, but yeah, you got to admit that the room was pretty good, right? I think you scared me. I thought I was going to be injected with heroin the minute I walked but in the room. I enjoy I, because you used to talk about it so much about how much drugs were there and yeah, how dark it was. Like, no, it's beautiful. Now it's and so each nice. room is so nice. Yeah, you're just like I want to play in that room and I want to yeah. play in that room. Well, I'm and glad it, you had a good experience. No, I did, but I, I, you know what? It's good. But when was the last time you were nervous during stand up? Um, well, that's a good question. Like, I don't know if I, I, I get nervous because my brain automatically shifts into how am I going to handle this? It, it's not like I'm ner- I'm scared. It's sort of like if I'm in a room where I can tell the sound isn't great or I'm not going to get the feedback, I'm not going to hear it in the way I want to hear it in order to time myself properly. Like, some rooms, like, I, like, for instance, I was at the Palace of Fine Arts 
in San Francisco. And mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize I'd been there before. It's a sweet room, but it's very wide. Yeah. And the acoustics. Up by the park? Yeah. Yeah. And, but like you can't hear the audience that great. Right. You know, so you're doing these jokes and they feel in your mind like they're maybe falling a little flat. And so I, I don't get nervous about that. It's more like angry. So I have to just right. deal with the fact like, all right, so this is what I'm going to be dealing with. I've gotten professional around it. I don't I, I get afraid only when I'm doing a gig that I don't want to do or right. that I feel like the accommodations aren't correct for the performance. Like I didn't do any of these outdoor shows. I wouldn't do it. During the pandemic. Oh, stuff. I was like in, in elevators and parking lots. I'm like, is the mic on? We just start talking. You did those? Oh, I did them all. See, like I wouldn't do. I, I actually thought during the pandemic, like maybe I'm maybe I'm better. Maybe I'm all better. I don't need to do stand up anymore. But it was only because no one else was doing it. But as soon as someone else started doing it, I was like, all right, game on. OK, so gotta... what is your actual purpose when you think about doing stand up? What is it? It's a good question because it's certainly not entertaining people. <laughs> <laughs> You have legions of fans. You're obviously entertaining them, but you're somehow. I think it's really it's like being heard, establishing a connection. You know, you know, looking at things. I like getting laughs because mm-hmm. I know that people have never thought of it that way. Right. So it's. It, I just. I'm kind of purist with the stand-up. I don't really see myself as an entertainer, but I see myself as a guy who thinks about things, and I'm excited that there are certain people that like the way I think. So would you say you're more of a George Carlin? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm less anal than him. I don't, I, I don't prepare as much as him. I don't write as much as him in the same way. And 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 so when people leave your shows, yeah, how have you changed them? Well, I I think like I did something like there's a line I'm doing tonight. Like w- lately, because I'm starting to talk a little more uh, frankly about you know what I see is going on in the world. So I'm mean, gonna have to because I can get pretty heavy. So my the balance I have to really achieve is that I, if I bring people into that place where they're exhausting right. because of how I'm, I have to figure out how to relieve that occasionally. Right, but and that's like, a bigger laugh because you've taken them deeper and well, deeper. Well, right, but then I have to say like I I don't even like my tone right now. <laughs> I say uh, it's not even it's a character I'm working on. It's called me half the time. So <laughs> See, I think though that I didn't realize that there would be ageism in stand up. Uh-huh. But now I'm just determined because when I first started people were like, "Oh, women would always say to me, "Oh, like that's what I was thinking, but I didn't say." I don't know if you remember this, but I used to talk about sex all the time mm-hmm. and that and the female perspective on yeah. it as opposed to just the male perspective. Right. And now I just want to keep doing it because I refuse to not have like women's voices be heard. That's yeah. my thing. Well, I think they're like the hardest part for what we do, especially when people know us from when we're younger. Like I was fortunate, like I didn't, people didn't really give a fuck about me until I was in my forties. Like right. I, I just lucked out with cosmic timing and having a skill set. But like I think for people <laughs> that were popular when when people were you know in our in your twenties and all your audience was in their twenties, that once those people become forty, you know their lives are completely different. They're not even going to clubs anymore. They don't even know what stand up is anymore. Right. Like if you really think about like a tell and stuff, who's the one of the best comics in the world, the king. Yeah, he had this huge following. You know when he had insomniacs on, but you got to figure like a lot of the fans are now forty, forty five. Can you get them back out to a club? Are they still thinking in the same way they used to think? Right. So it's very hard to uh, to age with an audience. Yeah. You know, because they go away. Well, it's weird for me because the majority of people know me from Sabrina, which is right. in like its fourth iteration. Like, 
It's, I, I, it's crazy. Uh, like eight-year-olds will come up and know, and recognize me from it. Yeah. And then people who I find way too old tell me that they grew up watching it. I'm like, you have no hair. There's just not a chance. Do, that and we've been like, through the whole hair follicle cycle in one career because yeah. it doesn't seem that long ago to me. I see people that watch me on Short Attention Span Theater and they're in their 40s. And I'm like, what were you, 12? I know, Short like, Attention yeah. Span Theater. Do you know that my, I don't know if this happened to you, but my nephew um, got, I, I hired him to convert my early career Oh, yeah. And digitize it. Yeah. Because it was the first commercial I ever did. This is going to make me feel 100. Yeah. Was to introduce ATM machines. <laughs> that was the mission that I did that commercial. Look at this wonderful new modern technology where you can get money. It's a I, bank no, in a machine. And and again, and I remember when like um, <laughs> the basically the Internet happened and we were all like, it's never going to last. I know. I did a joke <laughs> about that on my 95 HBO half hour that did not age well. <laughs> I said the internet. Yeah, CB radios were real popular once too. Like, um, do you have any fear of being canceled by anything you say? No, you don't. Not really. I mean, I, I'm relatively responsible about what I say, and I'm not. You, you know, I definitely am. A, I can be a pretty dirty boy, but yeah. I, you know, I, I don't. Um, I hate that there's a fear that I don't want to feel like and you can see it like people like literally because everything is recorded and then extracted and then edited and well i've made adjustments I, i've made adjustments yeah yeah i mean like i've said things that and then i've gotten fortunate for me you know i'm not like some international star that's under the microscope well and apparently I do have, you are in scandinavia yeah but my my audience are, are they're relatively grown-up people it's not right you know and i've gotten uh i've made jokes where like i did a joke where uh, an Asian person, you know, reached out to me and she was offended. And, and over time, I realized, like, okay, well, maybe even if I'm saying, I'm telling a story about a guy who I encountered who was racist and did the the, the Japanese voice, you know, right. like that, that's still offensive. And right. I understand that. Yeah. Like, you know, because like even with, like even with saying things, sometimes. Even if you're saying it in a context that you think is a correct, you're still getting some sort of juice from saying it. You know, it's almost yeah. a way to say the bad thing so you can kind of feel the excitement of saying the bad thing without taking responsibility for it. Well, but I've corrected stuff around the trans community. I've corrected stuff in that that joke, that Asian thing. And I, I've certainly corrected my attitude about the word retard and about, you know, because I really tried to to make that work and explain it. Right. And, you know, and I've definitely had experiences where audience, it was different. It might have been a little pre-Twitter or pre-this culture that we live in. But when people have comment, you know, I'll, I'll take it to heart and I'll think about it. And, and I've been wrong and I'll f not do it. Yeah. You know, but if I don't feel like I'm wrong, you know, like on my last special, like I did a, a thing about Mike Pence, you know, blowing Jesus mm -hmm. and, and assuming that Mike Pence is a closeted homosexual that actually offended some people within the homosexual community because they're like, we don't want him. Why? <laughs> why pathologize homosexuality? You know why? Why? Right. Why is that guy the way he is because he's secretly a gay? Right. As opposed to just horrible. And I understood that, but I made an. Ex I said, well, I understand that, but I'm still going to do this joke. Yeah. And I did it, and I didn't get. Well, I know, but that at that time, at that point, you're not. You, who are you doing the joke for? That particular... I did on my Netflix special. No, I know, but I'm saying, who are you doing it for? If, if it was funny to you, like when right. when somebody explained stand up to me, they were like, "You will never, ever, ever 
walk in a room with 500 people and they all have your point of view and your perspective. Right. But you will tell a story so well and so that they will and, and so clearly that they will see it through your eyes. Yeah. And that's why you're making them laugh because it's funny to you. Yeah. I don't like I think a lot of people like there, there's a lot of people out there that want to, you know, fuel and start controversy, you know, right. on social media platforms. But I think a lot of times when somebody says something inappropriate and and that you know the only there's no censorship and there's a fear of of repercussions but you know you got to choose what you're going to do like if, if you can say whatever you want but you're sort of self-censoring yourself so what yeah we all self-censor every fucking day that's how civilization works yeah you're right otherwise <laughs> there would be car accidents and people screaming at each other right. at all times but yeah that, but that that's sort of happening no it's, it's true it's, we it's are we have to modify down. what you don't want to say something that's going to hurt people's feelings and at one time it didn't hurt their feelings exactly. and now it does so you make the adjustment that, always. So you're in a relationship with the audience that's right. what you're doing yes and with the culture yes you know what i mean i know it's hard to let go of of, you know the whatever it is i never want to hurt anybody's feelings believe me i'm like looking at an audience and going okay i never i think i did want to hurt people's feelings at one time I, think I, felt, you did. I felt like that was a way of connecting and it is it's like oh look i made you cry you must like me what was the ultimate shift that you went from being that to who you are now this cat is freaking me out why is the one eye so much that's actually than the other? my old cat the one eye's different color than the other. That's a, some. What do you mean? A fan, it's your old cat. A fan of mine made that. Uh, it's Lafonda, who's no longer with us. Oh. And Lafonda actually had two different color eyes. But um, how were how they able to make this? It's like a plastic, it's a plastic toy from China. Yeah, some people work in plastic. Wow. There's a lot of artists around. What made the shift? I don't know. I I think that a lot of my anger was just really about defensiveness, fear, insecurity, not really knowing who I was or how to be me. And I think that over time, the podcast enabled me to sort of be who I am in a very broad way so I can be myself. Like for years, you know, people would try to box me somehow. Like, you know, he's the angry guy. He's this guy. I didn't know who the fuck I was. I was honestly angry. <laughs> and right. it, it wasn't a character. So I've never really been able to But what to were achieve. you angry about? I was just scared, man, and I was yeah. defensive, and I wanted to, you know, be righteous somehow. I wanted to do the kind of comedy that was provocative, right? Um, and I wanted to push the envelope. Like Sam Kinison? I don't know if it was like Sam because I, you know, he like a first time on stage and you're discovering yourself. Were you that guy? No, no. Who were you? It's a more Woody Allenish, probably. And really? I was, yeah. I mean, like my heroes when I was a kid. Like I was doing jokes. I was sort of like that. There was a joke I did about, you know. Uh, you know, it was, I can't remember, like, if you have sex, you'll get AIDS. If you smoke, you blah, blah. If you don't wear your seatbelt, it was some sort of, like, I was always sort of trying to do socially relevant stuff. But right. when I did stand up in college for the first time, it was a little more Jewish and a little more whatever. But it wasn't so me. So how old were you when, when you when you went on stage? I started doing stand up, I think, a bit. We I put together an act with Steve Brill when I was in college. I think I, I went on stage 63, 73, 83. I was probably 20 the first time I went on stage in college. And was it like the life stream? From... No, it was terrible. It no, was no, ter but when you were a kid, like when I was seven, I was like, I want to be Carol Burnett and Johnny Carson. That yeah. was it. No, so I, how... loved, I loved stand ups, yeah. So that's what that was it. You wanted to be a stand up. Yeah, I didn't know how one did it, but like I loved it. But I was terrified for probably up until a couple years ago. What was the first comedy <laughs> album that you ever owned? Um, I feel like it must have been George Carlin's Class Clown. Okay, probably mine was Steve Martin's. Oh, get let's get small. Uh -huh. Yeah, and then I had Cheech and Chong's. Yeah, and then I had some. Uh, I think we had uh, uh, a prior at some point. I think I had Pryor's Greatest Hits at some point. There was a lot of Carlin records around first. I used to watch Carson, and I would always know what the punchline was going to be. Oh, see, I could, yeah. I could, I could hear the joke. 
And I think, and it's funny to me that you have six guitars because stand up to me is music. Do you yeah. agree with that? Oh, you have seven. Uh, like, for me, like it, it eventually becomes that. There's a rhythm to it. I get right. that. I understand that. Right. It's not quite like that for me. No, you have a different. You yeah. have. You have. You're more like a poet in yeah. a in a way. Yeah, I think that's true. You, ha- there, you, there you are, don't have a traditional. Things become jokes, right. but I don't have a singular rhythm. No. Like because if you listen to like you or Dave, like there's definitely a. a a rhythm to all it just keeps moving in this rhythm and i think a lot of uh, joke tellers the good ones have that jimmy carr jimmy carr is so funny yeah i mean but like that's straight like i could never do that stuff like i i don't have the control no i don't no i'm much more storytelling now than i i have jokes yeah and my i like to like uh (laughs) you'll see tonight since you've been kind enough to ask me to come do a set but like i i like take what happened in my life and then it becomes a joke, and that's where I process it. It's like a little pricey of what it is. Yeah, you always did that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're saying you're you're going a little more in detail. Yeah. Well, like, I guess uh, I'm more storytelling. I don't know. Yeah, but so mine is such a desperate need to connect with people. That's the underlying thing. I'm I have to stop myself because Dana Gould, who I think is brilliant, yeah. never goes to the audience. He brings them all to him. Yeah. And I will go to the audience upon arriving on the stage, like I am. Yeah, that's interesting observation. Because yeah, I, I see people do that. I I think I used to be desperate for that, but always like it always made people uncomfortable. No, but you always went to the guy in an angry way. I remember you would be like doing your act, and then if somebody didn't like you, you would like almost verbally abuse yeah. them. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But but like even when I used to do Conan, I'd you know I'd, I'd really be excited and like really think that I was going to nail it out of the gate. Never did. Can it I... always fell flat. You know what? Right. I did Conan, I think, 35 times. Yeah. What did you do it? Like 50 times? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Something it, like uh, And I adore him. Yeah. The panel, you could nail, but it was, it, that's just a hard, that, it never felt like you were killing it on stand-up. It, Even Letterman, it never felt like you were, like, feel, I remember. They feel a little far away in yeah. both of these stories. Yeah, because like in Conan, they're like in boxes. You right. Know, like you're literally on stage, you're like, there's a couple of boxes of people that are up on top. And with Letterman, it was a theater, but like in between you and the people, it was like cameras and people. Yeah. Uh, what was the greatest set that you had that actually you thought changed your whole the like the whole direction of your career? I think if you look at that ninety five HBO half hour where I decided to tell that Jerry Garcia story, uh-huh. like I think that became I didn't know I was going to do it, but I had been doing a lot of you know Luna Lounge stuff, right? And in the, and I didn't really plan that that was my big idea. It's like just riff it, you know, just you don't have to have a set for your HBO half hour like a fucking idiot. But right in the middle of it, I do this long story about seeing Jerry Garcia. And I think that was kind of, and people remember that thing. They know that thing. Right. And I think that really became the direction of of how I started to do stand-up, yeah. Before I did, um, I wasn't supposed to be on Comic Relief, and at the last minute they put me on. It, it, so much so that I, when I, I was, I followed, um, oh my God, what's his name? And he's married. Uh, That's a big category. Okay, that is really bad. Oh. I know. I, Bill. And he's married to Felicity. Yeah, Bill, Bill. Oh, Macy, Macy, Bill yeah. Macy, yeah. William Macy. Yeah. Anyway, I was I was walking out, and William Macy. I said, "Oh, I'm sorry." Uh, I was right behind him as he went to the stage, and I said, yeah. "Oh, I'm following you." And he goes, he turns around, and he goes, "Why are you following me?" And I go, "Well, that's just the order that they put us on." Yeah. I, he had no idea I was a stand-up. Yeah. And then from there that night, I got proposed to. Uh, Milo Schwarman was in the audience. Yeah. He cast me in Man on the Moon, and I got put on um, Hollywood Squares all from that one night. What year was that? Uh, 1921. Wow. Yeah, it was a good year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how did you like, because like, we were doing all the same shows, you know, like MTV, a half hour, evening at the improv, all that shit. So how did Sabrina happen? 
Well, you know what's really funny? They had um, come to see me, uh, Carsey Warner, I think. Yeah. They were coming to see me, and the Martins, our managers, yeah. put Brett on as well. Yeah. And Brett got Grace under fire from that. Really? Yes. And then I, when I got, I got Sabrina. This is how funny it was. I had been in Hawaii. This is this is how long ago it was. There were no camera phones, right? Yeah. Because I said we broke up before the pictures were developed. Yeah. And I had a Polaroid. Yeah. And um, <laughs> he was smelly and disgusting, and I yeah. don't know why I ever went out with that guy. Anyway, the Martins passed on it. On Ma- Sabrina. Yeah. So the night before. Yeah. I got a call saying, "Are you sure you won't go in on the show?" And I'm like. You didn't well, even hear about it. Yeah. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, yeah, we, your your manager's passed on it. I go, I've never even heard of it. And this is how long ago it was. They faxed me the script. It was in curled pages. Yeah. I had to go across the street <laughs> and then like, yeah. and like pick it up anyway. Yeah. So that was 96. And then I got that. And that's when you didn't speak to me for a few years. Yeah, but what, because I was jealous? Yes. Because you told me. I said, Mark, why are we not friends anymore? You're like, because I'm jealous and bitter and you're on TV and I'm not. Wow. But you were straightforward and honest. The funny thing is I was doing everything I could to never get on television. <laughs> and it was working. But like, I don't like, what would anyone would have, thank God I was unique enough to keep being carried by, you know, stand up. You know, like I would get stand up shows and stuff. You have but, a very well earned success. Yeah, I'll say. Okay, most people would have been more gracious with a compliment, but that's an interesting twist. I'll say, fucking right. Yeah, took him forever to get me. Exactly. Yeah. Took me forever to get me. No, I thank you. That's very nice of you to say. So Sabrina, despite being being me being angry about it, that, but that was like the hugest thing. It's it the biggest gift in the world. And you did yeah. it for how many years? I did it for six years. And people loved you. But it's still on the air. It's on the air. Every, it's been on the air every single day since like 1999. What are the, what are the royalty checks like now? Um, A dollar. <laughs> I literally got notified. It said, we have deposited 0.06 cents into your account. I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. Call me when you get to a dollar. Do you still talk to the kid? I do. I talk to all of them. I'm going to see them next week. In, um, we're doing a 90s reunion. For what? Like people who were on TV in the nineties. Is it going to be televised? No, it's oh. going to be like it, it, a private very, you event, know what? a fun event. I I rarely do no, them. It's not a VH1 show. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I rarely do them, but yeah. I used to get upset because there were people who I thought, "Why are you spending this money that uh, you obviously need in order just to say hello to us?" But sports fans go to sports games. Like sure. it, it's it's really sweet. These yeah. kids that grew up. Oh, with so you. this is an event. Yeah. It's an event. And people come. Yeah. Where is it? In Hartford, Connecticut. Really? Yeah. And we're all going. So what what, what other shows? Is it just Sabrina? No, it's... um, I've never heard of these. So they're like nostalgia shows. So you'd sign stuff. Yes. You hang out. But the fact that you use the word nostalgia, I need to find something sharp to (laughs) impale myself with. Because, I mean, what? (laughs) God. Yeah. (laughs) You know, nostalgia. Yeah. Why don't you just call it an antique show? It's an antique show where people look at collectible old, old things like coins from the Parthenon from, you know, uh, yeah. look, here's Pluto's diary yeah. and a picture of Caroline Ray. Yeah. How much is this stuff worth? <laughs> I don't know, because every time anybody goes yeah. to pay, I'm like, oh, here you go. Yeah. No, you don't have um, to. Yeah. Sorry. What other shows? Um, I think Boy Meets World, uh-huh. which was a big one, because Daniel Fischel, who's with Topanga. Mm hmm. Oh, I love. She's. I don't know. There's a lot of '90s people oh, there. That's wild. It was going to be. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> your voice. You're like, oh, that's wild. No, I never knew it happened, but I know there's Comic Con, there's all these different. It's cons. like that. Yeah, I know. I Do you get know, it. I only realized that cons stood for convention. I'm not kidding. It was, just recently. No, you I'm not it was kidding. A grift. No, like, I didn't know what it was. All these people hustling. Exactly. People. <laughs> it's a con. Yeah. Wait. Sometimes I think I'm so quick, and then other times I'm so obtuse. Like the yeah. fact that our last name was Spellman. Yeah. Thought we were Jewish. Had no idea it was a witch thing until season four. Not kidding. Really? Yeah. I just thought we were Jewish witches. Well, I mean, a lot of people believe that about Jews. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> actually an anti-Semitic show. That we no, have. it's not. I'm kidding. Relax. You, you, you're, you're not on the payroll anymore, really. Thank you. So, all right. Let's talk again. Not again, but let's. I, I you, need. To... I have to go in five minutes, and I know you've Where talked you going? to me way too long. <sighs> Where are you going? I, I have um, an appointment. Where? Can you give me a ride to the Toyota place? Yes. Okay. Where is it? It's on brand. It's like five minutes. Yes. Let's, we have to go soon. Okay. Let me just ask you about the talk show. Okay. In in a minute? Yeah. What happened? It was a weird what experience. Happened what happened with that? <laughs> um, well, the talk show was, you know what? This is how I look at my life. The talk show, I, this is how my experience is. It's never the thing right in front of you. It's the thing right beside it that you're yeah. supposed to be excited about. Yeah. So I thought the talk show was going to be like, the biggest thing. Yeah. But what happened was it got canceled and I called my agent and said, I want to go on the road and I want to do stand up. Right, I remember that. That's when we became friends again. Okay. And then, thank you. And I literally called and I was helping this girl who basically needed time. So I was taking her on the road and. Who was that? Uh, her name was Lemaire. Yeah. And she was a comedian and yeah. you know, like, you know, you have yeah, to I take remember. them on the road when they need stage yeah. time. Right. Yeah. So I, I was, you, you only get to be a great comic, not with your five-minute set, but when you have a 10-minute set and you have five minutes of material, yeah. and then you let the channel of wherever it's coming sure. from go through you, and you yeah. trust it. Yeah. And all being a stand-up is, it's like the longer you do it, the more you trust it, because it's yeah. not a tangible gift. We can't wake up in the morning and practice our stand-up. Yeah, some people but we do. Can, well, no, but it's not like you can weld. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's intangible what we do. Yeah. It comes from something. Right. How many episodes of the show did you do? Oh, my God. Of what? The talk show? Yeah. A year. Uh, I don't know. 300? Because I remember. Like, it was all. It looked all good, and it looked like it fit you. I know. Yeah. Anyway, I went on the road, I and the, and the punchline said, we can't, we haven't, I said, I'm bringing this girl, and I said, no, we booked this guy. He's like a local hero. He's headlining, and then he's willing to feature for you on the weekend. Yeah. And I was like, what's his name? And he's like, Kostaki Economopoulos. And then as soon as I met him, I literally said to him the first thing, I'm like, oh, you're all shiny. Yeah. And uh, and why, as far as I'm concerned, every rejection in the world was worth it to meet him because I had my daughter. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. The talk show was just, if, if it hadn't been canceled, sure, I, I wouldn't have heard. Sure. If I wasn't fired and, and gotten divorced, I wouldn't have made the podcast. Exactly. As opposed to kill myself. Right. I understand. Exactly. Those are your choices. <laughs> podcast was much better for everyone. Yeah. But uh, here's the, another thing I remember, just given that you and I, yes, somehow or another- Weren't we on a short attention span theater together at some point? I don't think so. I was John Stewart, another Jew that, that you know. Thank you. Um, so, no, it was between me and Patty Rossborough for that. Right. And I have the original footage of me doing it because I did it about You're five times. You're probably great at that, yeah. I looked like Diane Sawyer, like I was presenting the real news. I was the biggest nerd. I had like my astronaut wife hairdo. Yeah. I know. It, that it was, was your bit. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. You, like we went for some reason- you and I went to Norm McDonald's hotel room on uh, the night of his first Letterman, and we watched it with him. He laid on the bed with his face down in the pillow, and you and I stood there in that room. Okay. I was at Letterman with him. Right. 
Yeah. And then were, you, we went, were you there too? No. But I don't know. Somehow maybe you came to a club or something. But, Let, you know. Norm MacDonald was one of the three men in my life who like who told me I had a great ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all the men. Poor Wait. Norm do you remember that? I remember it. I remember going to his hotel room because yeah. you must have gone to the show. And then for some reason- I called you? We called me or maybe you went to a club and you said, well, I'm going up to Norm's hotel room to watch, to watch it. And we and watched I, it together. Yeah, but he didn't watch it. He had his face. He was laying because on the bed. Because Norm was sick. He had like stomach issues all the way back then. I, I, he, was, he didn't want to watch himself. Yes, but he didn't want to watch himself. That's exactly. Funny. I have a picture of me watching myself on Conan the first time. How did how'd you look? I look, you know, I looked young. Mark, I look really uh, young. I can watch myself now a little easier. I can't. I cannot watch Still myself can't? on anything. Oh my god, it's torture. I used to not be able to, but now I'm. So I like, have. Oh, I. So I uh, literally, I have um, a new franchise of movies on the Hallmark Channel called "It's Mrs. Miracle." I you took, do. Yeah. Uh, we just did one, a Mrs. Miracle Christmas. Doris Roberts played Mrs. Miracle. Uh huh. And I remember being in Toronto. You're the producer? No, I'm on it. Okay. I'm Mrs. Easy. Miracle. All I'm right. the producer. Excuse me, confidence sucker. <laughs> what are you God. talking about? Thought... I'm I'm the gaffer. Okay. I'm the best boy on the show. And I just wanted to bring it up. I do what lighting, is, but only is, for the extras. What does the oh, gaffer do? Is God. he the lighter? Is I he never the... know what any of them do. <laughs> anyway, you're not getting a ride to yeah. Toyota if you don't. Let me finish. <laughs> okay. So- Oh, anyway, I watched the movie and I was like, oh my God, my mother was fantastic in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, when did that happen? But you that's, but that's, was that good work? It was great. I love it. And, but it's this other, this I play car- an angel. What's this cartoon you do forever? Phineas and Ferb? Yeah. No, Candace, the boys are not building a rocket ship. Would anyone like pie? Where's Perry? That's, but it's a great gig, right? It's the greatest gig. I mean, that's just on in syndication. That's Disney? Yeah. But you do a lot of family stuff. It's nice, right? I do. It's very nice. Yeah. I do a lot of family stuff and you do a lot of, you know. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I talk to people and. I'm you talk to Keith Richards and have him give you hats. Life I, I is don't, good. I, I, the weird I, okay. thing is I'm pressing for the hat. That's the fucked up thing about the hat story uh-huh. is that like it wasn't passing. I've now told the publicist and the person you that works for Keith that I want to know where Patty and Alexandria, whichever daughter, found the hat. I want to know the website of the hat. And no, I, probably, you want Keith Richards to send you his hat yeah, that Patty that's got you. Happen. That's what you want. But that's not going to happen. That's what you're asking for. Nice talking to you. I love I you. I love you too. <laughs> Caroline. Hi. Hi. Caroline. Hi. The show is LOL. Last one laughing Canada. It's on uh, Prime Video. Comedy competition show. She'll be doing stand-up here and there. Got to get her back out there. I put her up at Largo on my show. Very fun. Always funny. She needs it, man. She needs the laughs, you guys. Oh, it took me so long just to do this lick that you know that i barely could pull off it's not even that complex it doesn't matter it's nice it's pleasant
Boomer lives. Monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs>